You're listening to 1 Thessalonians, a sermon series about finding hope and understanding in a hopeless world. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. All right, how are we doing, Elevate? We're doing good? Yeah. Look at the person sitting next to you. I'll tell them they look good today. Tell them. Yeah. It's, it's nice to compliment people. Nice to compliment them. Tell them they look so much better than the last time you saw them. They look good today. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am so glad that you are joining us. We are in week two of a series on the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. And as we start today, let me, let me ask you a question. How many of y'all uh, uh, know somebody who is perfect? You know somebody who is perfect. Let me, let me rephrase it, I guess. How many of y'all know somebody who thinks they are perfect, right? Yeah, don't point if they're sitting next to you. Uh, but a lot, of times, a lot of times there really are some people uh, who struggle with thinking that they are always right and that they are uh, so great and maybe that they don't have any flaws. In fact, for a lot of us, it's very easy for us to point out the flaws in other people and hard for us to point out our own flaws. And so uh, I wonder today, though, how many of you would just admit that you got some problems? You got some problems in your life. If you're not raising your hand, your problem is lying. That's your problem. Uh, don't make me change the topic right here at the beginning of the service. But yeah, we all, we all got problems. And sometimes uh, we, sometimes because of our problems, uh, uh, sometimes our problems are the result of outside forces, but sometimes the problems that we have are a direct result of our choices. They're the, the consequences of the things that, that we do, like, like in school, maybe with your grades. You know what I mean? Amanda, she graduated uh, uh, cum laude tidy. You know, uh, I graduated, thank God Almighty. I was just glad I got to graduate. <laughs> Uh, but in, li- uh, in life, you know, I, in high school, I really, didn't, I really didn't study much. I didn't really apply myself, and sometimes my grades reflected that. I remember literally in high school, I made an eight on a test, an eight. Uh, and the scale wasn't one through 10, it was one through 100. Uh, and I made an eight. I thought you at least got 10 points for writing your name right, but obviously that wasn't uh, the case, or either I misspelled my name, I don't really know. Uh, but I got, it, I got it wrong, you know what I mean? What about this, how many, how many parents, how many of y'all would just admit that sometimes you get it wrong with your kids, you know what I mean? You get things wrong with your kids. Uh, I was scrolling through the internet the other day and I found this picture right here, we'll show you guys on the, on the screen right there. It says, your child is being eaten by a camel. What do you do? Do you save your child or take a photo? Uh, This person took a photo, so they obviously got it wrong. They did it wrong parenting, right? What about driving? How many of y'all would just admit that from time to time you get it wrong while you're driving? Maybe you don't really realize that that light is turning red, and so you run it or you run a stop sign or, or something like that. Again, sometimes we get it wrong. There are some people who are trying to save the planet, and so what they do is they decide, you know what? We're going to all get together. We're going to carpool. Well, I found this picture on the internet uh, this past week, uh, carpool. This is somebody who got it wrong. This is not what it means to carpool pool, right? They got it wrong. And so sometimes we really do just get things wrong. We use our energy wrong. And sometimes when we use our energy wrong, we get tired. And sometimes when we are tired, we find ourselves without hope. And sometimes when we are tired and without hope, again, we sometimes do the wrong thing. And so I don't know about you, but I want to get it right. 
I want to get things right in my life. And the apostle writes the letter, uh, this letter to, first, to, Thess- to the Thessalonian church, 1 Thessalonians. He also wrote 2 Thessalonians to the church in Thessalonica. And in this letter, he writes a letter to a church that got things right. In spite of the church being severely persecuted, they, they got things right. Even though there had to have been times in their life when they were tired, they, they got things right. They never lost hope. And what's interesting about this church in Thessalonica is that it was a very young church. I don't mean that everybody who was at the church was very young. What I mean is the church wasn't a very old. It wasn't very old in, in, in its existence. Actually, Paul started the church in Thessalonica. And the way that it started was Paul went into the city And he went to the synagogue. And when he got into the synagogue, he preached for three Sabbaths. He went to the synagogue to preach to the Jews. And so he preached to them. And only a handful of Jews became believers. And so what Paul did is he decided, you know what? I'm going to start preaching to the Gentiles. And so he goes and he preaches to the Gentiles. And all sorts of people, they come to believe the message that Paul is preaching. They believe in Jesus Christ. They believe in the resurrection. They believe in eternal life. And so all these people are coming to Jesus, and it upsets the Jews. It's hard to imagine that people would get mad at other people turning to Christ, but it does happen. And so the Jews in this city, what they do is they actually start a riot. And man, it was crazy. People were grabbing bricks and they were throwing them at the windows of Cowboy Maloney and they were taking TVs. I'm just kidding. It wasn't a Cowboy Maloney. It was Best Buy, but I'm just kidding. They wouldn't do that. But they had this riot. They started this riot and they were trying to, trying to just find Paul. They were, they were trying to find Paul so that they could kill Paul. And so the rioting was so bad that Paul actually had to leave the city. It's estimated that he was only there for three weeks to three months. So he wasn't there very long. But this church, during that short period of time, they grew. And they continued to grow and they continued to get things right. So much so that in 1 Thessalonians, which we read last week, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 8 says this, The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere, everywhere. This was a church and these were people who influenced their city, they influenced their nation, and they influenced the entire world. And so how can you get to that point? How can I get to that point? How can we all get to that point? Well, in chapter two, Paul lays out how he did it. He lays out how you and I should do it. Last week, we talked about the right motives. And this week, we're going to talk about the right method, the right method. And so I want to point out three ways to you today that you and I can effectively influence people the way that God wants us to. If you're keeping notes, you want to write them down. The first thing that I want you to see is influencing people the right way requires humility. It requires humility. How many of you have ever met a celebrity? Anybody ever met a celebrity? Maybe you met somebody who was famous. Anybody? Uh, A couple people. See a couple hands. Uh, I remember several years ago, I got to meet one of my favorite authors. I I had read one of his books and it was really good. So I bought a couple more. And so I decided, man, this is, I really like this guy. And so one time I bought a book and he was there actually signing, signing uh, books that he he wrote. And so I got in line 
uh, to meet this guy. And the whole time before I get there, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, Robert, don't blow this. Uh, say something smart. Try to act intelligent. I know that you made an eight on a test years ago, but you got to get past that. So look and act smart when you talk to this guy. And so I'm waiting in line and I'm working it all out in my mind what I'm going to say. And so I get up there. I'm the next person in line and they call me up to this guy to meet the guy. And the only thing, the smartest thing that my mouth could, could say at the time was, I bought your book. And I'm thinking, duh, everybody else here did that. And so he kind of looks at me a little odd, and I'm like, man, I really am. I'm an idiot. I was just trying to hide it for just a little while, but I couldn't do it. And so he says, well, what's your name so that I can write you a, a note in your, in your book? And so I said, well, uh, my, name, my name is Robert Andrews. And so when I said that, he stopped. And he looked up at me and he said, do you pastor Elevate Church? And I said, I, I do actually, I, I pastor Elevate Church. And he said, man, I listen to your sermons every week. I'm just kidding, I didn't have him, but that would have been amazing. <laughs> right? That would have been amazing. This is a real humble guy though, this guy's what I'm saying. So he's really humble, he was really humble. Would have been awesome. Uh, but he was really, really, really humble. And so he took time to ask me questions. He took time to ask everybody who was in line questions. He really, he really did. He was a very humble guy. You could tell he wasn't used to people just wanting to get something from him and to talk him. And here's what I want you to understand is that Paul had mastered humility in his life. See, when I think about Paul, I can't think of somebody who would kind of achieve celebrity status. I, I mean, Paul was an apostle. and Before he was an apostle, man, he was a devout Jew. He was a Pharisee. But when he was a Pharisee, he persecuted the church so much so that he actually had people arrested. He actually had people beaten and he actually even had people killed. But he has this radical conversion where he gives his life to Christ and everybody in the world really knew about this. They knew Paul. And so I can't help but think, again, this was, this was a very, very, a guy who had an opportunity to just really get a big head, but he was very humble, very humble. And I want you to see, if you were to look at Paul, you would have said, man, this is a tough guy. Here's what the Bible says about him in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Here's what he says. He says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in dangers in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Again, I can, I can picture this guy. You looking at him, man. You knew he had a rough life. You knew this was a tough guy. He, instead of having thug life, you know, printed across his chest here, he probably had Christ's life. You know what I'm saying? I don't know, but I just, I just imagine somebody, again, who had been through the ringer. This was a guy that you would have been easily intimidated by because of all the scars on his body. But Paul didn't use intimidation to influence people. He used humility. Check out 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 3. The Bible says this is Paul. Again, he says, For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor were we trying to trick you. Have you ever had somebody try to trick you? Maybe they say one thing and, 
and do the other. They're trying to manipulate you. Well, Paul says we weren't trying to do that. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. So what about you? And what about me? Are we, are we looking for praise from people or are we looking for praise from God? I, I just have to admit that a lot of times in my life, I, I like to receive praise from people. Like at my house, if I take the trash out, you know what I'm saying? I think my family ought to celebrate me and give me praise and throw me a parade where I walk down the hall and they're standing at their doors throwing candy and stuff at me. Any man, that's what you want to happen just me, pray for me, a couple of people. I saw some hands go up. You know what I mean? But oftentimes when I go and bring in the, go- the groceries from the car, I try to carry them all in. Any men, you try to do that? Because I want my wife to say, wow, honey, you're so strong. A lot of times in my life, again, I, I want to receive praise from other people. But Paul says we didn't do that. We didn't do that. Even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Paul says we were like kids among you. What does that that mean? It might be hard for you to believe, but this was written during a time that was way before tournament baseball and way before select soccer and way before parents really worshipped their kids and just followed their kids around. This is written during a time where many, really, the kids were under the authority of the parents. I know that's a, a hard concept for us to get today, but that's really what was happening. If mom or dad said something, the kids did it. Don't you wish we could go back to those days? I mean, for real, kids, it's time for bed. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Kids, it's time to clean your room. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Any, anybody know what I'm talking about? Kids, would you please let me watch this hour and a half movie in an hour and a half and not four hours because y'all keep coming in here and bothering us, right? Just a couple of us. Seriously, Amanda and I, we were watching a movie the other day and it took so long, like halfway through it, I forgot what the movie was about. You know what I'm saying? We'd been watching it for so long because they kept coming in there. But again, kids didn't run houses and run things the way that they do today. Paul says, we didn't come to you trying to be someone. You know, you know how we, we did it? He, he said, even though we could have, we could have asserted our authority when we came to you, we were like kids. What does that mean? It means we were humble. And if you want to influence and impact the people around you, that's what it takes. Nobody likes someone who acts like they know it all. Nobody likes someone who tries to run around and rule with an iron fist. Nobody likes people who are arrogant and thinks that they're the best thing since peanut butter and jelly. If, If you have to run around and tell people you're the man, guess what? You're not the man. If you got to run around and Tell people how great you are. Believe me, people don't think you are great. If you got to run around and tell people how much you know, I want you to know today that people don't care. They don't care if you have to tell them that. Paul had mastered humility. In Philippians chapter 2, he even talks about what humility looks like. I want you to see Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5. Check this out. He says, in your relationships, everybody say relationships. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, 
being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Christ was humble. Paul was humble. A question that you and I need to be asking ourselves when we're trying to influence people around us is, are we trying to influence them from a position of power or a position of humility? Seriously, when people think about you, when they think about you and they think about your personality, what do they, what do they think about you? How do you treat others? Because if you want to use God's method in reaching people and impacting people, you've got to practice humility. So if you want to influence people the right way, you've got to have humility. And the second thing that I want you to see today is that it takes being relational. It takes being relational. Look at verse, look at verse uh, 7 again in First Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul says this. This is, this is amazing to me. He says, instead, we were like young children, children among you, just as a nurse, nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Now, let me stop for just a second, because I won't, I won't admit to you, when I was reading that verse, it kind of messed with my mind, kind of messed with my mind. I'm thinking, Paul wrote this. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they, they wrote this, and these guys were manly men. These guys were the A-team. Remember, they were the tough guys, the people who got things done. And first he comes to them and he says, look, we came to you and we were like kids. And now he says, we're like nursing mothers. We're like nursing mothers. Can I, can I, can I be real with you? That's weird. That's weird. I mean, men in the room, what would you do if another guy came up to you and said, man, I'm like your nursing mother? What? I mean, if you were trying to introduce your friend to someone else and you said, hey, you hadn't met my friend here. He's like my nurse and mother. How, what, if you were on the other end hearing that, what would you think? That'd shock you, right? That'd be more shocking than another man asking you to go to the bathroom with him, right? That's weird, right? It really is. It's, 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 it's weird. I mean, that's, it's crazy to me. And so what does a nursing mother do? What does a nursing mother do? They, they care for you. They care for you. I got three kids. I got three kids. And men, can we just admit today that women are supernatural beings? They are. Like, they grow a human being inside of them, and then they birth them. If men had to do that, I'm convinced humanity would have ended a long time ago, right? We just we wouldn't do that. Praise God for women. You know what I'm saying? I'm so glad I don't have to do that. But, but again, a mother, a mother cares for her baby. And I don't want to sound perverted here, but this is the illustration that Paul uses. This is the illustration that Paul gives, and, and it's about breastfeeding. And mothers, breastfeeding, that's a great thing, right? It's a good thing, a very caring thing. But can we just be honest, any, any woman be honest in here and say that's also a painful thing? Don't kids sometimes bite? This is the illustration Paul uses. Don't kids sometimes pinch and scratch? See, sometimes the child hurts the mother and doesn't even realize the pain that they cause the mother. Again, it's a great thing, but it's, it's painful. But the mother says, you know what, this is worth it because you care for the child, right? And Paul says, we were like nursing mothers. We cared for you through the pain, through maybe the, the sleepless nights. We really cared for you. 
And that's one of the greatest things that you can do for anyone is genuinely care for them. Paul goes on to say this in verse 8. He says, because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Paul said it brought us great joy to be like this. It brought us great joy to love you this way. How many of us can, can honestly say that? I mean, I know that sometimes I can say it's honestly a great joy to care for people, but there are other times in my life where if I'm just being honest, I have to say, man, today I just don't really like people. Anybody, you like just a couple of us? Pray for us then, you know what I mean? But I mean, that's, that's, how, that's how it is. Paul says, we cared for you. We cared for you and it wasn't fake. We cared for you and it wasn't fake. See, see when, we, when, when we care for people, if it's fake, people will realize it, right? And it's, it's hard. It's hard, to, it's hard to keep it up when you're being fake. I actually heard about a guy who had been laid off from his job, and man, he really needed a job very bad. And so he was looking all over for a job, and he happened to pick up the paper, and he saw that the local zoo was actually advertising for a position. And so he got an interview with the manager at the zoo, and he said, man, I just really need a job. And the zoo said, well, we have one job that's available, but I don't think you're going to like it. And so the guy said, look, I'll do anything. I just, I just got to provide for my family. What is it? And so the guy said, well, look, last week our gorilla died. Our gorilla died, and he said, man, it's prime time for people to visit the zoo, and he's really one of, our, one of our greatest attractions, one of our main attractions, and so we've got this really authentic gorilla suit. If you would be willing to put that on and just stay in the cage until we can get a new gorilla, man, we, we'd be glad to hire you. And so the guy said, well, man, that's not really honest, but I need a job, and so yes, I'll do it. And so the first day, he puts on the gorilla suit, and he's just sitting there in the cage, and crowds of people, they're, this is a true story, crowds of people, I'm just kidding, the crowds of people, they're, they're watching, they're watching, and so he's like, man, what are all these people looking at me? these crowds of people? So the next day, man, he's like, man, I'm kind of getting into this, and so he decides he's going to beat his chest, you know? So he's in the cage, and he, he beats his chest, and everybody's clapping, everybody's smiling. So the third day, he's like, man, I'm going to crank it up a notch, I'm going to crank it up a notch, and he's running around the cage and everybody's clapping, everybody's clapping. The next day, he's like, man, I'm going to get the biggest crowd they've ever had. He said, I'm going to swing from these ropes that are here in my cage. And so he gets up real high, and he takes off, and he's swinging. Well, he overestimates himself, and he actually swings over his enclosure and into the enclosure next to him. You know what I mean? And so he thought, well, no big deal. No big deal. But he finds himself face to face with a lion. And so he thinks, you know what, man, if I scream like a girl, everybody's going to know I'm fake. But if I don't scream, I'm going to die. And so he decides, you know what, I'm going to scream. And he says, help. And as soon as he says that, the lion looks at him and says, if you don't be quiet, we're both going to get fired. <laughs> right? I mean, it's hard. It's hard to keep things up when you are being fake. It really is. It's hard. It's hard to keep things up when you are being fake. So don't be fake when it comes to interacting with other people and caring for other people. It's exhausting and it doesn't work. There's an old saying that says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People need to know that you genuinely care for them. Paul says, we genuinely cared for you. Like a nursing mother cares for her child, we cared for you. And look at what he says in verse 9. He goes on to say, Surely you remember, brothers and sisters. Everybody say, brothers. brothers. Now everybody say, sisters. Yes. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters. 
our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden on to anyone while we preach the gospel to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believe. For you know how we dwelt, de dealt with each other, uh, with each of you as a father. Everybody say father. father. Deals with his own children. Everybody say children. Encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So in that chapter, I want you to see Paul makes four references to family. He talks about children. He talks about brothers. He talks about sisters. He talks about a nursing mother. But he talks about a father as well. See, God's plan for you and God's plan for me is that we become children of God. That we become his children. And when we do that, what happens is you and I, we become brothers of sisters. Brothers and sisters, we are a part of God's family. And see, I know that each and every one of us probably come from some pretty messed up family situations where maybe your mother didn't care for you the way that she should, your father didn't care for you the way that she sh he should, or your brother and sister, you know, they just didn't make you feel loved. Well, that's why God has given us the church. God invites us to be a part of his family. And his family is supposed to be a family of people who genuinely care for one another. In John chapter 13, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And in verse 35 of John chapter 13, he says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You and I were supposed to love one another. Love one another. The church is supposed to be Loving, and yes, sometimes the church fails miserably at doing that. Yes, sometimes the church gets that wrong, but I'm convinced that if we keep God first, if we keep God first, that we can get this right. Because this church in Thessalonica, they got it right. They got it right. These people in this church became one of the most known churches in the entire world. Why? Because they genuinely cared for one another. And that's what we all want. Really, don't you want to be loved? Don't you want to be a part of a group that really loves you and cares for you? See, last week we talked about the A-Team, that show. How many of y'all remember back in the day there was a show called Cheers? You remember that show? If you're raising your hand, that means you are getting old as well. I remember that show. And so, and so it was a show about a bar, you know, but it had a theme song. And that theme song kind of started off by saying, Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Anybody know that? Sometimes you want to know everybody knows your name, right? You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. Again, that song is about a bar, but it shouldn't describe a bar. It should describe the church of Jesus Christ where we care for one another, and we're glad that you are here today. That's how God wants his church to operate. And so we've got to ask ourselves, how well do we pursue the relational aspect of everything that God wants us to have? Do you truly love people? Are you seeking to genuinely care for people? When people think about you, do they think you are someone who genuinely cares for them? Or are you someone who only cares about yourself? So if you really want to influence and impact people the right way, it requires humility. It requires being relational. 
And the last thing that I want you to see this morning is that it requires hard work. It requires hard work. Look at verse 9 again. Paul says this. He says, Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. I want you to know today that wherever you go in this world, you're supposed to be an example. You're supposed to be an example. You are. And people need to look at you and they need to see your work ethic. And they need to see a good work ethic. They need to see that you are a hard worker. You witness as you work, but you work hard. So see, see Paul, Paul, do you know what Paul was? I mean, he was the apostle Paul, but you know what else? You know what his occupation was? He was a tent maker. He worked with leather, and it was hard work. It was hard work, but he didn't want to be a burden to anyone else, so he worked hard. Do you, do you know that when you don't do your part and you can do your part, you know what that makes you? It makes you a burden. It makes you a burden. Paul says, I, I didn't want to be a burden, and so he worked hard, and he worked so hard that when he would work, he would sweat, right? Now, we don't really like sweat. Anybody here, you know what I mean? You just like to sweat a whole lot. Anybody? Not me. You know what I mean? Uh, we've, we've had some great uh, advances in personal hygiene, and we've got, we've got things called deodorant nowadays. Some people need to invest in it, right? You know what I'm talking about? Some, sometimes people, I've, I've been around some folks, you know what I mean, whose right guard must have up and left. Y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and so when you don't put on that stuff, it makes you musty, right? It makes you musty, right? And so we don't really like to be around people who are sweating all the time. We don't like to, we don't like to sweat ourselves. I remember back in the day when I played basketball, there was this one guy who every time we played his team, man, every time we played him, man, I hated it. I hated it because I had to play underneath the goal and would mean I was going to have to block him out. And he sweat, man. It looked like somebody just had a water hose spraying on him. And so I'd go up to try to block the ball and his sweat would just touch me. I'd be like, ugh. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about, man? I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. I didn't like it. Well, here's what I want you to see is that Paul worked so hard, he would sweat. He would sweat. And there were times where he'd be wearing an apron of sort, because he's tent making, he's working with leather, and he would take the bottom of that apron and he would wipe the sweat off of his head. There were times where he would even take a handkerchief and he would wipe the sweat off of his face from working hard. And you know what would happen? You got to see this. It's amazing. Acts chapter 19, verses 11 through 12 says this God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left him. Now, if somebody handed you a sweaty rag, a sweaty sock, how many of y'all would just say, that's nasty, right? I mean, it's, it's nasty. But here what's happening is people are taking his handkerchief, his apron, and they are taking it to people who are sick and they're being healed. They, they are taking this handkerchief to people who are sick or that have evil spirits and these evil spirits are being cast out from them. Paul worked hard and he sweat. And because he worked hard, I want you to see what happened. Look at verse 11 again. It said, because he worked hard, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. Listen to me. 
man, it's sometimes hard work to be humble. It's sometimes hard work to invest in relationships and develop relationships. But I promise if you are willing to do that hard work, if you are willing to sweat and really invest in people, what I want you to know today is just how God would use uh, Paul's handkerchiefs and his aprons to do miraculous things. I want you to know that if you'll sweat for God, God will do amazing things in you, for you, and through you. Your hard work could cause families to be restored. Your hard work could cause people to be set free from addiction. Your hard work can do miraculous things, just how God used Paul's hard work. It's hard work to be humble. It's hard work to invest in relationships. It's hard work, period. See, Jesus one time looked at his disciples and he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. People who are willing to work hard. But that's the right method. That's Paul's method. It was Christ's method. Will you and I have the right method? Will you and I follow the example of Christ and of Paul? Will we use the right method? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual walk. But I wonder today, if maybe you're here and you don't really know what it's like to be a part of this loving family, this loving family that God has given us, this loving family called the church, where because you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've really become a child of God, where you actually receive brothers and sisters in Christ. See, maybe, maybe you didn't feel loved growing up. Well, today I want you to know that God loves you. He's inviting you to become his child. And if you know today that you need to be saved, I'm gonna ask that right where you are, you say this prayer. Father, today, forgive me for all of my sins. Forgive me for living for myself. Today I need you. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Mold me into a new person. Father, thank you for accepting me into your family. Thank you for saving me. We're going to continue to pray, but listen, if you prayed that prayer to be saved today, again, nobody's looking around, but if you prayed that prayer to be saved today, right where you are, I'm going to ask that you just lift your hand because I want to know. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for inviting us all into your family. Thank you for the new life that we've received right here in your church today. Thank you for new brothers and sisters. Father, I pray that you would help each and every one of us to think about our own lives and to make sure that we are being humble people. Father, help us to make sure that we are 
doing everything we can to really invest in relationships with one another. Father, and help us be willing to do the hard work, the hard work necessary to reach people far from you and far from your church. Thank you. We pray in Christ's name. We'd like to thank you for listening and encourage you to visit our website at www.elevatechurch.ms so you can learn more about being blessed and blessing others at Elevate Church.